0: Hello, everyone. Before you get stuck into the latest episode of the Joel vs. Arthritis podcast, I want to let you know about some exciting news. Our YouTube channel, the creatively titled Joel vs. Arthritis YouTube channel, is just become partnered, which means we can do bigger and better things and reach more people on that platform. So if you haven't already, go over to YouTube, search for Joel vs. Arthritis, or look at the show notes and you'll find a link, and go and check out our content hit the subscribe button and just help more people find us. Everything that we're doing here with these live episodes you hear recorded on Twitch, everything on YouTube and this podcast are all designed to raise awareness of arthritis and psoriatic disease and chronic illness, the lives we have to live, the stories behind the people with those conditions, trying to educate people, make people feel supported, represented and that they're not alone. And all of these things that we're spending all of our time trying to produce um, that you guys either listen or watch has the core goal of trying to tick those boxes. So if you like anything you hear on today's episode don't forget to write a review on whatever platform you listen to and subscribe it really does help i know every single podcast says that but it really does help um check out our youtube channel check out our twitch channel where this interview was recorded live and just pick the bits that you like but if you do anything hit the like or the subscribe button or whatever that channel's equivalent is to tell the little algorithm people that we exist and people want to hear about this really niche topic that changes people's lives and we need need to do more to raise awareness for. So thank you ever so much for listening. I'm going to shut up now and interview some guests. Until next time, bye. I really need to start writing scripts for these things. For this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Amy Westcott. Um, Amy is a juvenile idiopathic arthritis um, patient sufferer, whichever way you want to word, it depending on the given day, I suppose. Um, but it's also a sort of community member of uh, the Child Versus Arthritis community and Twitch channel. Uh, she's training as an occupational therapist and delighted to have her on the show tonight to talk about all things JIA, uh, what, what steered her into that sort of career choice Um the challenges and also some of the wonderful stuff she's doing to raise awareness to make sure other people don't have the experiences that some of us um you know did when we were younger so amy welcome thank you for coming on
1: thank you so much for having me excited
0: and, uh, yeah, and I appreciate it. it's probably a totally different um experience being this side of the um camera compared to being in chat so thank you I do appreciate it
1: No, you're welcome <laughs> it is very weird I'm like oh but your face <laughs> is usually there but that's fine
0: <laughs> I'm used to just dealing with people's um user handles as well so yes it's nice to put a, a face to the name yeah um so yeah thank you um, the usual place where we start these things um if you want to just for, for those that don't know you aren't familiar um just want to give us a bit of a background if we just focus on you know you as a person and and who you are where you're from etc but and then your sort of arthritis journey diagnosis that sort of thing and feel free to go into as much or as little depth as you want on that okay
1: yeah of course yeah so I'm Amy Um, I'm 31 years old as Joel said I'm yeah currently training to be an OT I'm in my first year um, of the MSc program at the University of Worcester which is very exciting Um, and yeah I was diagnosed with JIA when I was four years old so quite a while ago now Um, and yeah I've yeah been through through a bit but um, at the moment I haven't been on medication for about 10 years now touch wood haven't had any flare-ups um but I've kind of been through the whole journey through like JA at school um at university at college I've been through that journey and then obviously kind of out the other side working um looking for jobs things like that um but yeah I've done a fair bit of different roles as well since graduating when I did my first degree um I did quite a bit of traveling as well I lived and worked in New Zealand for two years and then in Australia for one year. Um, And then there was a pandemic and so I (laughs) had to come back, um, which was the time where I thought, okay, now I should probably try and sort my life out a little bit and wanted to, I've always wanted to do occupational therapy. It's always been at the back of my mind of something that I was interested in and wanted to get into. I just kind of never had the right time but um yeah throughout the pandemic I was like now now is the time if not now then when and it just so happened that the University of Worcester was doing an MSc course and that's where I did my undergrad so I was quite happy to go back to the same university again um which made it easier um and then yeah that's that's kind of me in a very quick nutshell.
0: <laughs> Thank you for sharing. I know that things are never easy. I, I still struggle with it myself. No. <laughs> um, but no, that was that was brilliant. Thank you. Um, I suppose I, I I'm I'm running the risk of jumping around here on the timeline, but I think anyone who's listened to this, particularly back on the podcast, the first thing that's going to jump up out there is the. Um, 10 years without treatment. I feel like I have to ask more about that in terms of like how that came about and and I suppose what is your secret <laughs> yeah. to go that long? It's just that's, that's so nice to hear some good news stories.
1: Yeah, it's um it took a few times because obviously with JIA, they do say that there are there's that kind of uh chance that you could kind of grow out of it or at least have less flares and less um kind of issues going forward so it took me a good few times to kind of get off a medication so the way they did it was um I think it took about three different attempts the first attempt um I came off my methotrexate I was on methotrexate um all all my life that's the only medication I've been on apart from steroids um but methotrexate was the only kind of thing Around back in back in my day when I was first diagnosed, it was really only uh, if you didn't do well with methotrexate, then there wasn't too much uh, out there to help. Whereas nowadays, there's so many more different options in terms of medications and treatments. Um, but yeah, so I came off medication. I think maybe the first time when I was about maybe 14 or 15, um, didn't go well. Had a massive flare steroids back on the methotrexate. A couple of years later, same thing again, off the methotrexate, uh, massive flare-up, all the steroid injections, um, and my arthritis is in every single joint as well, Um, so steroid injections everywhere. I think it was like 32 joints, I think, (laughs) I had my steroid injections, so it was pretty uh, pretty intense. when I did have steroid injections. Um, and then the third time, which was just before I was, or as I was starting university, I think for the first time, and yet came off my medication and then haven't been on it since. So luckily it kind of, whilst I still have kind of quite a lot of joint damage and limitations, in terms of like my joints so I can't bend my wrists all the way back I can't touch my shoulders I can't really kneel properly so I've still got limitations and joint damage but apart from that I haven't had a flare for a good few years which is great I do have um like if I do like a long hike or I'm walking or on my feet for all day kind of thing I do get like quite um achy ankles and things like that but I think that's fairly common um so yeah so luckily I haven't had any flare-ups for a good a good while
0: that's that's amazing, and also thank you for having a positive. Because obviously we do talk about the challenges a lot on this on this show, and and it's nice to have a, a good news one. And and it's just funny hearing those patterns because so many guests have come on, and it was my experience as well. Where when you're diagnosed in childhood, you're sort of told that there's this potentially sort of like game changing future where you grow out of it or whatever. And and a lot of us seems to have had our first big remission so mine was about 17 18 19 and i know um uh so ruthie when she's joined us on the show has said similar things that sort of period where you get a bit of a break and then it unfortunately comes back with a bang so you are the first person i've met where that hasn't happened in that sort of teenage um window so right. yeah that's that's great and and, and do you find people you know, in my experience anyway, they sometimes confuse that sort of previous damage limitation with flares because I can't turn my my wrists over. And the amount of times people will say, I'm sorry, you're having a flare. I'm like, no, I'm not having a flare. It's just, it's what you're left with, isn't it? And people Yeah, it's just that. the
1: way it is. It's just the way my joints are. That's, that's how they've always been. Um, so that's just the way I work. That's just the way I do things. And I was actually having a chat to my friend today and I was talking about Uh, like doing this and talking about, um, what, you know, talking about the whole JIA journey kind of thing. And she was like, well, yeah, I've noticed how you do things differently. The way you like use your hands and you use hold your, even holding your phone. She's like, you hold your phone and scroll through your phone differently to what I would do. And I was like, oh God, I've never even thought about that. Like, I guess because my wrist doesn't bend all the way back. So I kind of hold my phone in a certain position where it's easier instead of scrolling with my thumb I scroll like with my whole hand yeah which I've never really noticed before I never really thought about until today and I was like oh god I've, that I, that probably is because of the way my joints are and even um like even using a knife and fork I think I probably still do that differently like the way I hold my knife and fork is different and the way I get up if I'm sat on the floor, I use my knuckles. So I lean on my knuckles yeah. instead of putting my wrist down.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: yeah, which is very, very common. Um, you can tell that with the JAA kids. So, um, yeah, you, I think you just get used to And because, you know, I was diagnosed when I was four years old, you know, that I've not known life without arthritis. So this yeah. is just the way my body adapted and managed to kind of get me through what I needed to do. So, yeah, let's just, just do things a little bit differently. <laughs> but that's fine.
0: And, and everyone adapts. And I think that it is an area that's often overlooked with JIA because it's doing it in that formative years and you're building up, you know, so I try to explain to people like there's a bigger evolution with JIA or there tends to be to like somebody say who's middle-aged and gets RA or something because, um you know, the way it's always been explained to me is it can evolve until you're mid-40s typically. Um, and I don't think they fully understand why that is, but... It, it adds so many more layers doesn't it again at that, that age because like you say you're adapted but you're not knowing that you're doing anything any differently because it's happening at such a young age
1: yeah exactly like, it's just the way it is and I said before you've never known any differently and it's only when people point it out and you're like oh yeah okay maybe that is why I've done do things that way or yeah it, it is really interesting
0: and I think we could probably be better with our language as well because like the amount of times I've sort of slipped into talking about everything as a flare, and, and it, it might be like historical damage or a build-up of previous issues and surgeries and things like that, but you sort of tend to pull these traps, don't you, talking about anything related to a spike in your condition as being a flare. So I try to remind myself as well where people just bundle everything under that that label that it's, um, it's probably yeah. I'm not helping that as
1: well. It's not necessarily <laughs> going to be a flare. It might yeah. just be that's just the way you do it or that's just the way you know if you're walking or it, m- it might just because your body's reacting to a. like I said before if you're on your feet all day or you know done a long hike or done a big like load of exercise then you are going to kind of your body is going to be suffering a little bit so it's just the way that that is but I never kind of let any of that stop me especially especially growing up I was very kind of stubborn in terms of um like not not letting it kind of get in the way, I was very determined to kind of do the things I wanted to do. So when I was younger, I used to play hockey, I used to do a lot of kind of sports, I wanted to do all those things. And I remember my parents just being really, especially my mum just being so concerned about me playing hockey. It's like, oh my gosh, what if you hurt your ankle? What if you and I was just like, well, it's, to do with it like (laughs) I want to do it so I'm gonna do it and my parents were great in terms of just letting me kind of roll with that as well because I think you know as parents I mean obviously I'm not a parent myself but I can imagine letting your child kind of run off when you know they've got you know certain problems and do all these kind of scary things not that necessarily playing hockey is scary but probably was for them for me to be doing that It's a really big thing for them to let me do that. So for them to not kind of put too many um, barriers in front of me is really, really quite, yeah, really helped me in terms of just kind of getting on with it and just dealing with it and just making me more determined to, to just do the things I wanted to do.
0: I think that determination, and and some people have used the word stubborn quite regularly with me. I think, and I think it's the same as I, I, you carry on it to later life as well. And I think it's right. just because of JIA, the time you have it, you you put you you have a wall put in front of you, but at that age, you just navigate it and find a way over it, don't you? And it yeah. definitely has. I think I get a lot. of, Put it this way: that where I'm trying to go. With this I get a lot of parents message me really worried when their kids get that diagnosis, and that's like always the number one thing I tell them as a positive. So I don't know if you've, you've got any
1: sort of similar thing. For that. Yeah, definitely. We've like so I volunteer with the Children's Arthritis Charity, CCA. Um, so we, me and my parents have volunteered with them for years, as well as my sister. Actually, um, we first went along to one of those weekends when I was like a child, and we went along to a weekend where they bring loads of kids with arthritis together, loads of families, and parents can talk to each other. Kids can meet other kids with arthritis. And yeah, the first one I went to was probably 20 odd years ago. And then after that, we my parents started volunteering. And then when I was old enough, i started volunteering. I was on the committee as well for a little bit. Um, but yeah, so we've I've seen a lot of parents kind of attend these weekends and uh be obviously, obviously they're going to be worried and concerned about about their child, but I think it's been it's really good for them to see people who have been through it and kind of come out the other side and have that reassurance that they will be okay and i think i think that is such a massive thing and i think as well it's a massive thing for kids to see other people like with arthritis and to see have that representation um because i didn't really know anyone really that was older than me I met a couple of people obviously through the weekends and and um was friends with them but before that you don't really see people who've got arthritis especially at a young age it's it's so um well it's, it's that age old thing isn't it everyone thinks oh well it's for old people why would young people have it but I think it's so reassuring for other children to see someone like them and yeah. and it's
0: so it's isolating by by its nature, especially when you're sort of laid up or you're spending long spells in hospital and this sort of thing. And um, but but you know, even myself, there was another child in my hometown with arthritis, and we still didn't because we just didn't know how to talk about it or we didn't understand it. And, and so so even when there might be somebody on your doorstep, that doesn't mean it's necessarily easy as well. So I, yeah. I think you will be a spot on. It really does help because I think if I saw other people. Um, because my experience, I've talked about it a lot on here, um, so for the regulars will we'll be bored of hearing this, but it's just that you know, you're know chucked in a waiting room with people that are maybe 50, 60 years ahead of you, and it's kind of end game, and that's the last thing as a kid you want to see. So I think just seeing, I don't know, 16-year-olds doing well with it or whatever would have been, or like your, your perfect yeah. example, somebody who's you know gone through that and all the challenges that brings with school and everything else and is now doing brilliantly... Then um yeah that, that can only be a positive thing, can't it?
1: But yeah, as well, and I think even even being able to see someone who's not doing as well and and not um still having kind of flare ups and major um kind of issues with their day to day, that's still representation that kids need, and that's still to to be able to see someone and be like, oh yeah, I have some of those struggles. Oh, I have been through that. Oh, I've been through something similar. I think it's so important. Um just that that awareness but yeah i definitely i was very lucky in in terms of my um hospital appointments as i was growing up because i was based at birmingham children's hospital and uh, they you know have a brilliant incredible team there um but then when i moved on to adult services i think i only went to a couple of appointments and yeah i was obviously the youngest person who was there. It was all these older people and it was just me. And you can see them kind of you see them like looking at you, don't you, thinking, what are yeah. you doing here? You you're not you're not here, you're not, you know, allowed here. What's going on? But um and I think that's probably a big reason why I kind of slipped, I think I kind of slipped out the system a little bit. So I missed, I think I missed a couple of appointments maybe or missed one appointment because I was at that age where, you know, I just finished oh no I was just going into uni or at college and I was kind of like trying to take control of my arthritis a little bit and going to appointments on my own but because I was in an adult service they're obviously a bit more strict in terms of uh letting you uh what they'll let you get away with so if you didn't I didn't turn up to appointment and then it was like oh you're discharged now and I was like oh okay and then I haven't been under a rheumatologist since then which I I should be and I tried to get re-referred um before I went traveling but that didn't end up happening so then now it's on my to-do list (laughs) I will do that because I just feel like I need to have a a bit of a checkup and just to make sure everything's okay especially because I know I've got joint damage so just to have that uh be back under a rheumatologist to kind of have that um check up just to see but yeah that's on my to-do list but I think that that is probably a big reason why I did kind of slip out the system because I was like oh well I'm fine I'm not on medication I was a teenager so I was like oh no don't need to go to this and then it's so easily to yeah you're so easily kind of dropped I think
0: yeah yeah and Firstly, expect now everybody that knows you in chat on the channel to be asking you if you've done that every couple of weeks as a reminder (laughs) to see if you get your phone. I Um, know, yeah. (laughs) I need that to be fair (laughs) because I do keep forgetting. I'm like, oh,
1: maybe I'll ring the doctors and I'm like, "Mm, no.
0: Uh, but but what I would say, anyone who's listened to this back, um, that it, that was really common before the pandemic. So I hate to think what it's like now, because those of us that are in the system, like you know, I've made it quite public about my waiting seven hundred days for my next appointment, and and I'm I'm supposed to be seen every six months. Um, but that happened to me. I went to university, and i like I say, had my first big remission. I missed one appointment because you know. I was at university and my whole world changed and things were far more interesting than heading back to Norwich for a rheumatology appointment. <laughs> and, and I was kicked out and that, and I like, had the same, and I've still got the same doctor that I had since I was 12. And I then had to go back through the front door and get re-referred and everything. And, and, and that was crazy because at the time I was on me and my view is if anyone's on something toxic like that or biologics, or you shouldn't be allowed to just drop out of the system just from a yeah. safety point of view. So um, yeah, anyone listening to this back, get your routine appointments even if you're perfectly well because as, as amy says not everything is about pain you could be like my wrists. my wrists. i've never had any pain in my wrists, but over the course of five years i somehow lost the ability to turn them over it was only when i started um drop and change when a cashier would hand me, hand me money at the till that i i realized i couldn't put them flat and that just crept up on me out of nowhere and i never report it because it didn't hurt so like you say just having that mot isn't that isn't that a bad thing is
1: it no not at all and yeah it's definitely it is on my to-do list so you can you guys can kind of keep me in check and ask me if, if i've done it yet
0: <laughs> obviously in our usual supportive way but <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um but yeah just, just sharing all that um and obviously i want to just like I say, I appreciate I might be jumping around a little bit, but I'm just trying to pick out things that I think our listeners would ask about. So you, you mentioned that you know, sort of studying um to be an OT. I'm assuming that's linked because of your experience with a long-term health condition in, in some way.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, I had an incredible team at um, um Birmingham Children's Hospital. They were all all the staff were incredible, the nurses, OTs, physios, doctors and but i just remember the ot and physio in particular just it all kind of made sense when they spoke to me and it all kind of clicked and i just remember having so i when i was like really struggling and kind of going through some flares i would really struggle putting my socks on and it's such a simple thing isn't it being able to put socks on but i just couldn't bend down to put my socks on it was just painful. I couldn't reach. So my sister, who's two years younger than me, bless her, but she would help me put my socks on in the morning before school. And then I remember um, seeing an OT and then they gave me this like device that helps you put socks on. (laughs) You just put your sock on this like plastic thing, drop that on the floor and there's a bit of string and you just pull it over your foot and then your sock comes on. And that was just absolutely like a light bulb moment like life-changing for me like I could have a slight bit of independence back I didn't have to ask my sister to help me put my socks on for which seems so trivial but it's really not and it's those things that like kind of led me to want to do OT is allow helping people to get their independence back because I think it's such an important thing and so um it's so needed to help in terms of recovery as well from kind of not but yeah just for kind of anything it's just it's just so important and yeah so I wanted to do OT for a long time but I never as I said I kind of never got round to it but it was always in the back of my head and I just remember thinking one day it's something I want to go into um but yeah now now i'm actually doing it which is good but i think ideally i do want to go into rheumatology i think i'd be silly not to um but yeah we'll see how the rest of my placements go you never know i might find something else that i might might be more passionate about but (laughs) i very much doubt it
0: (laughs) i'm sure you'd be a big asset just for that lived experience And as you know that's something we're trying to in the community just in general trying to get more people into those positions because um yeah it, we really need to integrate that and get that lived experience yeah
1: absolutely and I think it's that I mean just if I was to see an OT that said to me oh I have arthritis too and I had a, just that kind of like light bulb moment I think or that um, recognition that you, someone would understand what you've been through I think is also like incredibly important um, but yeah and I just think OT is such an underrated um profession as well i really do like i think ot's are incredible which is why obviously i want to be an incredible ot it
0: really it really is and um i know we've talked about this a bit on the channel in the past but for the benefit of podcast um um listeners it, it just i've shared my experiences on that and that i did not know that that role even really existed i just assumed it was sort of under the health kind of you know my experience through being referred at work um, for a workplace set and support um, and it was only when i found out about pain management which again got to my 30s before i realized it existed not and i was assigned a dedicated pain management ot who was like actually that was probably the first person i would met that cared about my quality of life with arthritis you know so you see your consultant that's all about um joint inflammation and pain levels and you know treatment management and not burning out a drug too quickly before you run out of options and this sort of thing but it's by far the first person I've had the odd physio it's probably unfair you know I've had the odd physio that's worried about if I can be independent and everything but it's definitely the first person that cared about like a real holistic quality of life whether that's me getting changed barfing um getting to work with minimum impact and 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 yeah that it just amazed me that I, I've had I've since I was 10 that it took 20 years for me to even come across that role yeah, that's that something is, we've got to change
1: that's <laughs> wild yeah I I but that's why I love OT though I think it because it is that kind of holistic approach to, to care and like what I try and remember as well and obviously I'm you know I've got another year left before I'm qualified but in the back of my head I just have to constantly think it's all about the occupation, occupational therapy is all about the occupation, the doing, and like, you're essentially helping someone to do what they want or need to do in life. And it's such a simple thing. And something like, as I said before, something as simple as being able to put my sock on, like it's so kind of transformative that it's just to have, to be able to do that for someone, I think would be really incredible.
0: And, and I don't know about you I just think as well going back to that whole lived experience I'm just a lot more likely to open up if somebody tells me that they get it you know because I, I, I could list a million things I haven't told other healthcare professionals because I just think they're not going to understand you know when they're asking me about my pain and they're not understanding why actually the impact on my relationship is more important or the impact on my finances is more important and you know because it's fluid isn't it and I think our um you know desired goals outcomes change well for me it's on a almost like weekly if not monthly basis you know depending on what's going on in your life so um it, to have someone in front of you and they say I've got lived experience they don't even have to say like I had that or or compare and contrast because sometimes that can be intimidating for people but just saying I've got lived experience that would just open up so many doors for me as an yeah, individual. Yeah
1: definitely it just and I think that that um yeah that having that experience and being able to offer that to potential patients and also to you know parents and other children that I meet through volunteering and through any anywhere in life really anyone that you come across being able to just share those experiences is so important so important because it just shows that you're not alone and it shows that um it's just raising that awareness as well because you never know who that person will then kind of meet and then find someone else who's was diagnosed with JA or has, was, you know, has gone through that themselves or um, it's, it's like a knock on effect, isn't it? So I think it's really important to just continue to raise that awareness and just to make sure that people know that arthritis isn't just for young, for old people, sorry, young people can get arthritis too. It's such see, a simple thing.
0: I'm just intrigued because obviously you've been in a really, sort of well-placed I'm so used to having people on the the other end of the spectrum so I feel like I need to sort of ask a little bit more it's like so obviously you do the great stuff around awareness you've mentioned CCIA and charity stuff and that sort of thing um, is that something you've always done like since childhood or if not was there like because normally people start like my advocacy journey started with a big event and I didn't want somebody else to go through that but presuming yours has been controlled is that just something you've always felt a sort of
1: desire to do yeah it absolutely is I think it's always kind of been ingrained in me um just volunteering charity work and that kind of raising awareness as it's always been something I've wanted to do um and I think that's just again that's come from my parents because my parents when we were younger when my sister were younger they they ran an- another charity and then we kind of like moved along to cca and started volunteering with cca and so that um kind of charity background has always been there it's it's been there throughout my life so um yeah I think it's just so ingrained in me to try and raise awareness and I think I think I just as well as when I was younger, I would just get annoyed that people would think arthritis is for old people (laughs) because I feel like, well, it obviously isn't because I'm a child and I have arthritis. So, um, so it's just kind of drilling that in. And I think, I think as I've got older, obviously, it's, I think it's a little bit harder now because I haven't been on medication for a long time and I haven't had a flare I do kind of feel like I am out of it a little bit and I'm not really fully kind of in the arthritis circles I guess and especially because I'm not under a rheumatologist so I think that can be quite difficult because it's that like I've still got JIA that doesn't go away you said that before as well I think previously like JIA just doesn't go away you've always got it but because I don't really have flares and I don't have any issues day to day. It kind of feels a bit weird sometimes saying that I do have arthritis because people would be like, well, but you're not suffering or you're not having flares or you can't, you seem to be fine. And I think that's quite difficult, but I think that's what comes as well with it being an invisible illness that not every two days are the same, even when I was on medication when I was younger I think there would be days where one day I'd be fine and then the next day like I could barely walk or I'd really struggle kind of at school in PE and things like that so I think that's like yeah that's quite a big thing to kind of get your head around as well if that makes sense
0: and it makes perfect sense. you're, <laughs> you're doing my job for me because you've perfectly quite perfectly into <laughs> the next section about the whole um feel like a fraud and invisible illness <laughs> because yeah. i i had that exact same was like say my first big i was kind of like the kid with arthritis in a wheelchair and that was kind of you know looking back probably wrongly that was kind of just my thing and and you know high school was horrendous and then all of a sudden i got to 18 and everything went away and I felt like a complete fraud because I'm taking all these drugs and I've got all this support. And back at the time I had a, oh, well, I was an orange badge and yeah, that shows you my age, blue badge, you know. <laughs> um, you know, and then all of a sudden you it's not there. And that was the first time I'd really encountered that. So it's interesting to hear you say it as well. And it definitely seems to be more of a JIA thing, like without being too much, too generalised. And I think because we can You know the condition we get it a lot earlier and you can get these big breaks and everything um and i think just socially it's a lot harder high school and everything else um it's it's just really interesting I, i don't i don't know about you it just doesn't feel like something that's talked anywhere near you know we're tackling lots of new issues now that should have been tackled years ago like mental health and pediatric dedicated rheumatology support and this sort of thing but nobody's really touching upon that delicate subject of how you genuinely feel as a patient if you're young in particular, and it completely goes away.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And I think there's that... I think um, you mentioned it back when you did the JAR live stream as well, and that transition point as well, and having that um, kind of support as an adult with JIA, because I think that there's definitely, like, it seems to be a lack of that as well. But I definitely think that that is wh- that is what comes with an invisible illness i think isn't it like people can question oh well you don't look ill or you don't seem ill so then you feel like oh wow i feel a bit bad then now and i think i went through this as well when i was applying for a uh, disabled student allowance for my occupational therapy degree so when i was when i did my undergrad i was 18 And I didn't apply for any help. I didn't apply for Disabled Student Allowance. I just didn't. I think I was in that stage, as I said before, I just couldn't be bothered and I just didn't think I needed it. And now I'm at that point where I'm like, well, no, actually I am entitled to it. Yeah, I might not necessarily have as many struggles, but if I'm entitled to it and there is potential for me to struggle, then why shouldn't I, like apply for this and get it and you know luckily I did get it approved and I managed to get quite a lot of equipment to help me if I'm you know doing assignments and things like that um and I also am more kind of I will always let people know that I've got it so whenever I've kind of started a new job a new role you know started my degree start on my placements that I do I always tell whoever I need to that I've got arthritis just in case you never know something might happen and most of the time nothing ever does happen but I think it's always and again the back of the back of my head really is just I'm kind of telling them as well just to raise awareness still and have that um because because then they might have another staff member that comes along who does have it a bit more severe And they've already may have put things in place to help tackle that in a job, so yeah
0: and it, there is that element as well isn't there that you just when it does go away you don't want to think about it too much you just want to get on and and i've fell yeah. into that that trap you know and it's it's the argument i i keep having with pharmaceutical companies over tracking apps and that sometimes when i'm in remission i don't want to keep recording symptoms because it's kind of a, a reminder that they're still there but m- my experience with university was almost the opposite because i was in a wheelchair like right up to before i went to uni got all of this kit thrown at me a wow. bigger room ground floor and all that and then a uh, literally couple of months in was able to play sport and nice to play hockey. so I play hockey again, and and then I was like, and that made me feel massively like like a fraud, you know. So um, so there is there is that I think whichever anyone listens to this on either side, it doesn't matter. It can still have that same effect. And and even now as an adult who talks and raises awareness about this stuff all the while, I'm still falling foul of it because this weekend I'm going or next weekend, so I'm going to a festival and I applied for disabled parking. And I felt the whole time I've got like anxiety. Sweat. I'm like, I'm like over explaining, but I'm not going to need it. You're going to see me. I'm going to be turning up and walking absolutely fine. But by the end of the day, my wife's going to be dragging me back to the car. And just in case I'm having a bad day, and and I um and I read it back and I got it and everything. But I read it back and I was just like, why don't I just say, hello, I'm Joel Nelson. I've got arthritis. I need accessible pocket and, it's, yeah. and, I, and I guess it's our experiences and having it from a young age and because it comes and goes I don't really know the answer but it's crazy how many of us do that you know
1: yeah and I think it's I guess you're constantly having to justify it when you were ill so then I think maybe that's so ingrained in us that every time you do kind of have to ask for a bit of help then it's I don't know, you just have to kind of justify it. And it's like, well, I need help because this, 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 and this, this. When actually you could just say, I need help. Yeah. And yeah. and make it a lot easier. Because I think I, when I was younger, as I said, I, I was very, I think I probably was a bit too determined because there were times when I probably didn't ask for help when I should have. And I was a bit more like perhaps secretive or didn't really want people to know that I was struggling. Um, and I would just kind of force myself to get on with it. Um, And I think that I I guess that's just kind of a part of it, isn't it? You just have to push through. But then also there is nothing wrong with asking for help. And I think I don't know if that comes with age or just there's just more like awareness now or I don't know what what that is. But I think asking for help is just, you, you know, you don't you shouldn't be embarrassed about that or you shouldn't be concerned about that and I talk about my arthritis all the time now but then there is that feeling of me thinking oh but I don't actually I'm not under a rheumatologist and I'm not on medication so actually can I even say I've got arthritis you know (laughs) but like obviously I do so it's 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 treading a bit of a fine line isn't it I think
0: and, and, and you need to give yourself credit for that and, and don't don't ever do, and I'd like to say I do all the while and I, I'm sitting here in pain most days and, and I still feel like a fraud so, <laughs> sometimes and and I think it's just human nature people compare and social media isn't great for that sort of thing and but um yeah you, you certainly put me to shame with your awareness raising I think because for me it took this big life event to stop hiding everything and the, the fact that you've just been doing it naturally the whole time whether you've got symptoms or not I think says a lot a lot about you
1: yeah <laughs> oh. I do try I, I try you know I've just got I just like to spread the 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 word because as I said you never know who someone's going to meet down the line and then they can just be like oh yeah well I met someone who had arthritis and they were young and yeah. it's just yeah, yeah knock on oh, that's
0: that's the end goal isn't it to stop getting that default line of Oh yeah, my granddad's got that from being a plumber, or, or you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever that, all wear that wear and tear, and tear stuff. Oh, yeah, God, that yeah, keeps coming up. Um, but Definitely. yeah, for me, it's just—I think it's refreshing—and hopefully gives hope to other people as well to hear somebody who's gone through this sort of JIA journey and had that that promised land of remission. Because we were all told it. I was told exactly the same thing. You know, you could get the sixteen, and it's and it's just, but they they would still use terms like "grow out of," which is a silly mm. thing to say because you're not growing out of it. It's just, yeah, I think, take away the treatment you would have had and everything to get that remission and get you to that place I don't think you'd have just naturally grown out of it but unfortunately that is the language that is used It's it's just nice to hear somebody that's had that journey but also more importantly I think for you as an individual still um uses those experiences no matter how far in the past they are to um to do some good with them so thank you on behalf of the community for that
1: oh bless you thank you no I think I think you've got to be able to to yeah just do that and raise awareness because it just keeps, yeah, keeps it going. And I, I just don't, I wouldn't want anyone to like, not to think that they're alone going through it. You know, I will, I would always like to think that somewhere they could find someone who has gone through it or find someone, so even, you know, doing your Twitch channel, I think is an incredible thing because you're reaching an audience that perhaps might not look on any other kind of social media, So I think it's great.
0: Yeah. Thank you. And that And That is the goal. But obviously it's like, yeah. you know, I know that the, um, without generalizing too much, you know, that people are going to certain people are going to listen to podcasts like myself as a dog walker. I was always listening to podcasts. And then there's other people that can touch podcasts. So the idea is that hopefully we can, um, we can, um, we can reach enough people. And I think it's why it's important that we talk about the wins, the bad days, but also the bits where we're human. So whether that's you not chasing a, an, Appointment me stopped taking my meds when I went into remission and you know I think it's important that we talk about being human as well because um because that happens and it will inevitably have an impact on any long-term health condition won't it
1: yeah definitely there was there was times when I was younger that I um I thought I knew better than everyone (laughs) like can you do to the point where I actually uh I can't actually remember how old I am but this is a story that probably gets told on every cca weekend um so a lot of parents probably have heard this but i um i just kind of stopped taking my medication myself instead of um actually taking my medication so my parents would line up my methotrexate tablets on the fireplace with a biscuit on the end and my cup of squash to take them and um i just started flicking them off the side just flicking them off the the fireplace and then you know I wasn't taking my tablets so a couple of a couple of weeks later I was just having like this massive flare and my parents were like well why don't understand you know she's on her medication what's going on and sorry to like name and shame my parents but it does uh <laughs> showed how much they cleaned because <laughs> they pulled back the fireplace to like Hoover and then they found all these tablets that I just didn't take that I just I was so sick of taking my medication because anyone who's taken methotrexate knows how awful it can be and then all of a sudden they were like oh well that makes sense that's why you're having this massive flare um and obviously my flare I was in pain I was restricted I couldn't do things and it took that to happen for me to think Oh okay well actually the side effects of the medication isn't as bad as actually having these this awful flare and my parents actually made me write a letter to my doctor to apologize <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i felt really bad <laughs> but
0: we've all done and and, and i always use this opportunity cuz meftrix gets a massively bad rap because everybody focuses on the side effects and they are you know when you struggle with it, I had some horrific ones at the end, which meant I could no longer use it. And even when I was on it from sort of 14 to probably my late 20s, and um and there'd be days where you're just throwing up and you think, Why why am I taking this? But it it worked when it works, it works brilliantly. And and I was the same. I stopped taking mine when I went on to university because I couldn't, it didn't mix with alcohol. And I got to <laughs> university, I went into remission, I'd be able to play hockey and, and rugby and things like that again. And the last thing I want to do is be taking this sort of chemo based drug that made me throw up. So, yeah, exactly. And, and you find out pretty quickly that they work when they work.
1: Oh, so 100%. I'm... Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's why I take that, my, that <laughs> yeah. medication because it actually stops me having a flare up.
0: <laughs> yeah. so yeah if you are listening to this they are they are they are definitely an option um I think a lot of people I think because of all the press and everything try to jump to biologics and not and get frustrated not knowing there's certain pathways you have to go through um but yeah uh, open mind but they do do, they're not for everyone but they do work
1: yeah I mean that was that was all that was available as well when I was first diagnosed it was literally methotrexate or well that's that's so, and, and luckily for me, it, it did work, but I think it is incredible how far we've come since, you know, the, the last uh, 20, 30 years, the amount of different options for medications there are, and also how young kids are getting diagnosed now as well. Yes. Like, yeah. it's actually incredible, you know, kids get diagnosed at, you know, a year, 18 months whereas like I mean I was four you were 10 you know it's quite a big difference isn't it yeah. like so and
0: you you only have to look at you know some of the people I work with in various organizations that are maybe sort of 10 years ahead of me on that journey you know we all talk to each other and say you know what we probably had it a lot earlier but you just you know grow in pains or a doctor mm-hmm. dismisses it or whatever so it shows you how far we've come on that I think I think like we've already talked about on here areas, things like OT and 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 more sort of like multidisciplinary mental health support that sort of thing. I so think there's still lots of work to be done there, but the good thing is now the actual um, pediatric side of it is definitely un- it's unrecognizable to what to what my experience was. Yeah,
1: it's it's only going it's only gonna just continue to improve and the options as well. So it's it's really it really is incredible to see. And I think even seeing kids, you know, one of the weekends when I went to the CCA weekend when I was a child you know, there's quite a few kids there in wheelchairs and crutches. Whereas now, you know, you can't really spot which kids got arthritis. I mean, we, at, on the weekends, we make them all do rock climbing and zip line and all this kind of stuff, which is, you know, maybe not great for arthritic kids, but you know, we make them do it anyway. Um, but it's like, it's just incredible to see that you can't, it's not, obvious and it just goes to show how how far it's come and it can only get better
0: yeah and a bit for people to remember the condition hasn't changed it's the treatment and the management yeah. of it because I think sometimes people forget that and you know I was really lucky I had a doctor that told me to do as much as I could do as long as I could do it and and you know so mine was always since I walked in the door I used to play hockey and it used to wind the hell up at me when I was really bad because I think of course I'm not you have to bend <laughs> over and it wrecks your knees and everything but, yeah. but what I would say is you know comparing to my mates who played just as many seasons as me their knees are just as wrecked from running on astro as mine are with oh <laughs> with God, arthritis yeah. so so you know that i think it is a my my advice to you all now is do as much as you can obviously you've got to do the whole pacing thing and lay for recovery and everything else but um but yeah you, you never know when that next bump in the road is coming and yeah you definitely as somebody who's lost a lot of movement the last two years it's a lot harder to get it back
1: um, that's it and like you said like you said about um pacing as well like even now i know that if i was to go on a long walk with a friend I know that I'd probably struggle in the evening or I know my ankles would probably be clicking away as they do and um so I just you know kind of wouldn't fill my day with something too kind of heavy or just you know be aware of but I think again that I think that kind of comes with time whereas when I was a lot younger I just wanted to do everything and get everything done and um but I think as well I think it is important to just not as I know it's easier said than done but you you kind of you can't let it stop you from doing things you want to do like if you want to do it obviously there's certain restrictions but I think like I've done so much in my life so far like I've been to Australia I've been to New Zealand I traveled for quite a few years on my own like I went on my own I've done skydives I've done um like ziplining, like all this kind of stuff. And yes, you know, that is quite a lot for me to do. But I know, as you said, it's that of thing and it's just knowing that some days then you'd have to take it a bit slower or, I don't know. I just think, I do think you, you've got to just kind of do what you can Yeah. in a way.
0: Yeah. And yeah, I'm saying, i say next week I'm going to a festival and I know the Monday nobody's going to see me because I'm going to be yeah. stuck in there and it's going to be agony but it's it's it's, it's winding it up it's knowing that you know clearing the space afterwards to recover and as long as you're not living your life like that every week you know mm-hmm. a couple of times is, is not going to hurt and also sometimes for anyone that's gone through the whole steroid um, depot thing where they then tell you to do as much as possible sometimes it is pushing that bar back a little bit more so that when you then go through that painful recovery you actually find the next time it's a bit like you know people who go to the gym for the first time and they're in agony yeah. because they got muscles they didn't know they had it, it can be like that so as long as you're not you're not pushing it to breaking point you can try and nudge those 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 limits but you need to be sensible about yeah, it. yeah <laughs> that's exactly yeah
1: that's that's exactly kind of what i was trying to say just worded better <laughs> <on>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah just don't don't go too crazy but you know do 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 the things,
0: you yeah. know. Yeah. And 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 I think we talk a lot on this on this channel and podcast and everything about the fluidity of it and how it makes you feel like fraud but I think one of the um, positives is is you never know when that next sort of like break in the clouds is coming, you know. So even yeah. myself who's had a really rough two or three years um in a blip at the minute i still hold on to that well when i was in a wheelchair at 13 i didn't think i was ever going to be able to play sport and i'd done it for 10 years so i'd say yeah anyone out there it's minimizing the damage as well because let's say you lose that mobility um it's minimizing the damage make sure you stand on top of the active disease bit but providing you don't leave too many scars after a flare then there's nothing to say you can't get it back that's it you've
1: just got to look after yourself that's the that's the number one priority isn't it you've got to do what's right for you and um yeah that's it isn't it really yeah. <laughs> simple as just look yeah. after yourself if, if it was that easy you know it would all be fine but you know
0: and that's why it's also good to sort of take what you need from people that are raising awareness or, or posting things because if someone's having a good day it doesn't invalidate your bad day or make you a failure and it's that same sort of thing it's like it's a very personalized thing and, and our days will never align. So because I can do something on one day and you can't, that doesn't that doesn't mean that you're failing at managing your condition as well. And that's what yeah. I constantly try to remind people, because I think a lot of comparing and contrasting does go on in today's world. And and that is, I suppose, one of the things pitfalls you have to be aware of with us, right? People like yourselves, raising awareness. because um, I've had the comments where, well, I'd love to be able to travel and go to a conference, or so I'd love to be able to have my own Twitch, but do you know what I mean there's a lot of work to get to that point and get that level of energy and, and yeah. equipment to support your posture or whatever that might be. So, um, so I think, yeah, I think that's why what we're doing and being open and honest and showing the good and the bad is, is valuable.
1: Yeah, that's it. I think if, if, yeah, people can take away obviously what they want from, from certain social media posts or whatever. And, and, but I think, as you said, it's so important to be honest and, open because it's not all sunshine and rainbows but it's not always like hard either you know like there are times where it is okay so I think it's it's showing that balance and showing that that difference um it just it just makes it more not normal well I guess yeah it's just more accepting isn't it it's just that's life that's what everyone goes through everyone goes through ups and downs so
0: as, yeah. as you've shown, you know, been by, by far the most positive um, story I've had on the podcast so far. So I'm just now gonna. That's just gonna be a thing. Remember, there's always an Amy. <laughs> <So> anyway, <laughs> there's always there's me. Always an Amy. You can you can have long remission. Um, yeah. um, we've absolutely flown for an hour there. We um, have, so we? I'm conscious of your time, so I'm, I'm gonna probably um, let you go at this point. Is there anything we haven't covered that you'd like to say, or if you want to plug anything, where people can find you or the organisations you work um. with?
1: Yeah sure um you can find me at amyface 91 on twitter where i kind of post a lot of arthritis or ot stuff um and if you want to check out ccaa as well um that's children's chronic arthritis association but ccaa um just google that and that's the the charity i volunteer for um so yeah check them yeah. out
0: and, and for anyone listening to this back um, on the podcast, I'll put all of those links in the show notes. So you'll have them. Just just look on the description part of whichever platform you're listening to it on. i mean, be you on behalf of the community. One, thank you for everything you do for this channel. Um, and over on Discord, and for anyone that isn't on Discord, the links there in chat. Um, and just yeah, thank you for giving up your time and also a very short notice to um to do this with us. That's really useful.
1: Honestly, you are more than welcome. So thank you so much for having me, Joel. You're doing a good thing with this. So, yeah, well done. Keep it going.
0: This podcast episode was recorded live and in front of an audience on our Twitch TV channel. If you would like to watch live, ask questions, get involved with the community in chat, or just generally be a bigger part of the podcast, then please head over to our Twitch channel at twitch.tv forward slash Joel versus arthritis. Alternatively, you can find video recordings of all of our previous podcast interviews on our newly partnered YouTube channel, which you can find the link for in the description of this show. Thank you very much for listening.